just to uh, forewarning, the introduction to this genre um, will be a little bit longer than usual. Yeah, Christian, why don't you do that? Because you've got the... I was so intrigued when you told me the idea, and it wasn't reflected in the yeah. movie well, selection uh, at all. <laughs> well, well, this is the thing, and it, it relates a bit to our spooky moon, where there's a good movie in the genre somewhere. It's just it hasn't been made yet. So the impetus for this genre was the real-life events our listeners or listener can Google <laughs> Flight 401, which was Eastern Airways, an American flight, 1972. It crashed. About 100 people died. Parts of the Lockheed L-1011 were salvaged and put into other aircraft in the fleet that were also L-1011s. This, this commercial domestic American flight crashes. Uh, lots of people die, including all the flight crew. The parts are salvaged. Somehow that gets out into the public sphere that the parts are being put into other aircraft. And suddenly, was it mass neurosis or tabloid journalism? The popular narrative is these this, this fleet of commercial aircraft flying in the United States are haunted. Oh, that's so good. But that's why I was so... And I know these films are terrible, but that's why I was drawn to this. Because you go, that's such a niche thing. And the fact that this is the first world. This is the 1970s. Like, I could get a developing country having weird superstitions. But the idea that... And you can... Again, you can read about this. There was a book written... For context, though. Just I want to give a little context. America in the 1970s was bonkers <laughs> like for like alternative like all crazy alternative beliefs and superstitions and stuff it's 1972 the tabloids got a hold of it a guy wrote a book about it and even it's reported that crew, other crew members other staff of the airline reported seeing these dead pilots and even there's a story <laughs> where one of the dead pilots warned the other pilot about some you know it, it got sillier and sillier and then within airlines it became the story you told. As in, if guys were on a red-eye flight, they were up, they were cruising over the Atlantic, they were on autopilot, the captain would try and scare the shit out of the co-pilot and tell him the story. So it just, it became this incredible thing. And there was a couple of TV movies, two TV movies made about in the 70s, that I, and I know these movies are garbage, but I spared you the special kind of garbage that were the two. <laughs> the two TV movies based on, on that incident. One had Ernest Borgnine in it, and interestingly, the other one had William Shatner in it. What? Oh. William Shatner was in two different Haunted Airplanes movies. William, there's an awful lot of William Shatner in this podcast, for whatever reason. <laughs> I guess he's got like a thing for planes, because like, that makes at least three plane things <laughs> horrors that he's been in and and what is star trek but a space plane it's a space oh, plane true, that's yeah. what the yeah. so there you go but um so yeah there was a 1970s tv movie called crash about william shatner and one with ernest borgnine i've I had a look at both of them and i just said we can't they're not even a pro like the movies we watched are unwatchable these are i don't know what below unwatchable is but anyway the the movies that we watched are just normal garbage yeah if yeah. those are special garbage that's another level so anyway that's the genre it's what brought me to this haunted airplanes it kind of matches our whole podcast thing of niche horror genres so the first movie i think we'll take them in chronological order would, it, would everyone agree on that before we get into it, can I just say that I like how our podcast has gone from the moon to space, and now we're coming back to terrestrial horror by just being <laughs> in the sky? <laughs> we got to connect all these movies somehow. Yes. We got to make a rich fiction. 
in so our need, podcast like, uh, about this. Train horror next. Ooh, or, or and we gotta connect horror. them. How the movies themselves are connected somehow. We'll work on that, Christian. You wanted to do them in chronological order. Oh, no, I don't. I don't mind if anybody has a better. Suggestion, no, no, but fine. here I'm. I'm just going to make a suggestion against that. The oldest one is the one I enjoyed the most, and I would like to talk about that maybe last. Okay, well, will we start? We can either start with the Asylum movie or the Japanese director movie. Let's talk about the Asylum one because the Asylum one was the most garbage. <laughs> this one broke me. I, I, I had, I had a fit in the middle of this movie. I was just like, "Why are we doing this? What is this all for? Why are we here?" Um, again, to go into the selection process to clarify. I hadn't seen any of these movies, so I share mm-hmm. all of your pain. Yeah, Christian had to watch them by himself. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I selected them based on the William Shatner TV movie I had heard about because it actually has a cult following, and I thought that's something I might like to watch. The other two I selected because one of them was an asylum movie, and we'll get into what the asylum is, and they're basically Happy Madison for horror. And then because the guy who directed The Grudge directed 7500, I thought, okay, that might be competently made. We'll get into that uh, contention as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, what one are we going to start with? This, the Asylum movie? Um, yeah, Flight 66 is... Who wants... I think Lagan should do the intro for it because it upset him the most. Oh, boy. <laughs> Lagan, off okay. you go. This movie opens with like a montage of... Uh, a serial killer who we don't see the identity of going around killing uh, women as the as the credits play. Uh, we then zoom right up into the plane and and get into it. And like everything's gray, it's it's stormy. Um, we get introduced to characters, but not really. Uh, you just kind of see what they have going on. A few of them get names, but it's not. Not super important. Uh, they're having they're having problems because of the storm. The storm almost seems to be chasing the plane. Then there is one passenger. Uh, he he's clearly having problems. He keeps paging the flight attendants who are trying really hard. And then he starts seeing ghosts, and um, it gets it gets spooky from there. Do do we need more? No, no, we don't need more. <laughs> we, we, we really don't need more um, because we'll get into the plot points as we go um, so yeah this movie was made by the Asylum who basically just make cheap knockoffs of successful films which kind of brings me to the question of why or how this was made does anybody know chronologically was this made before or after 7500 this was 2018 Okay, so it was after 7500. This was the last year. <laughs> but this this is weird then, right? Because Flight 7500, I also hadn't heard of. So, like, the, the fact that they're doing a rip-off of a film that I... Well, it's not even a rip-off of it, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that they're trying to tap into that sweet haunted airplane money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like... you see, that's the thing. As I said, Asylum usually do a rip-off of something that's really on trend. They've done terrible... Transformers movies and you mean Transmorphers? Transmorphers, which is why I thought, based on that, I thought, well, seventy five hundred must have been successful in an overseas market. You know what I mean? Maybe it was successful in China or uh, Eastern Europe. Maybe that's why they're doing a rip off of this. Turned out, as we said, that was wrong. <laughs> but 
what, what I will say, it's interesting, you guys really hated Flight 666. This was a bad selection of movies, there's no question. But I actually preferred the Asylum's take on this than the Japanese directors because what I at least felt about 666, although it's not competently made, stuff keeps happening. Fair enough. There's very little character, pointless character development or exposition. It's there's a ghost, there's a murder, there's worms in the food. There, like It's very nuts and bolts, stuff keeps happening. And the terrible, terrible performances and terrible effects <laughs> made it a little slightly endearing. I mean, the thing that I found endearing was the uh, cargo bay set. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> we'll the we'll get into that when we get to the plot, but holy shit. Oh, my shit. God, the fucking cargo bay was so good. <laughs> yeah, so I, I actually, overall, I preferred this movie to 7,500. I w- it's a very hard call for me, but I did think... At least in this ridiculous movie, the the like the things that happened in the story mattered, even though it was ridiculous. Yeah, I would argue nothing in this movie mattered. It was just so bland. Uh, see, I, I don't even think it was bland. Yeah, it's a dumb premise. But if Flight Six 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 wasn't made by the Asylum, if it was made by the same people who made Final Destination, you would probably have a theatrical hit. Ah. Uh... I don't know about hit, but uh, certainly release. <laughs> the scares just felt so cheap, like just so. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, I, I, I grabbed a ghost costume from the from the department store, and and here it is, like slightly, like oh, it's in the bathroom. Oh no, I can't get out of the bathroom. I would argue that at least one of the ghosts didn't have a costume and was just mostly naked. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, it's, I, I had to laugh, you know, it's an asylum production. When the first time we see the outline of a ghost on the wing, it's got it's big a boobies. Sexy fucking ghost. Yes, a <laughs> sexy, <laughs> ghost have big, big old tittied ghost. <laughs> <sighs> um, there, there are two things I'll give it credit for. The first is that it, you know, it's a mystery, so once they reveal it, they did set it up okay. You know, there are there is, like, some ambiguity about who, who it could be, uh, who the serial killer could be, um, and the clues that they were dropping do lead up to that. And the other thing is, um, it w- I don't, can't tell if it was annoying or not, but they kept coming up with plausible explanations as to why the things on the plane all the fail saves weren't working. Like when one of the women is trapped in the bathroom and she's screaming, the flight attendant goes over and she's like, Oh no, the override is stuck. I cannot get this person out of the bathroom. Like because it's such a modern plane movie and because there are so many fail saves, they had to kind of write their way around Mm. all those things. Yeah. They do that in every movie. It's just if it's a badly made movie, it really sticks out. Yeah, I mean, it's all, all, like that's a problem all of these movies suffer from. There's no way on a modern commercial flight, even if there was a slight incident, well, the first thing they do is they turn around. Like, but as Michael said, if it's well made and it's entertaining, you go along for the ride. But that's a problem they all have. But they also did in it was it flight. Yes, it was flight six six. This is only because I'm an airplane nerd. They pointed out that it was an old-fashioned airplane. Oh, yeah, it's been in the in the air for a few years. And also, if you're an airplane nerd, you'll notice it's a trijet, and there's no trijets in service anymore. Oh, 
You should write, assign him a letter. Yes. No, but <laughs> a no, strongly but, worded letter from last year. Here's the Backdated. thing. I think that may have been deliberate because the actual Flight 401 was a Lockheed Trijet. Oh! I think it was probably budgetary concerns. <laughs> no, no Brian, you're totally right. It was budgetary concerns, but I like to think that they made they made a reference to a real world event by renting a cheap set. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. <laughs> no, no, no. The interior didn't matter. It's just a plain interior. But their computer animator drew a trijet for the exteriors, so he had oh, wow. so, someone had to ask him to do that. So somebody put thought into this movie. Clearly, this is a masterpiece. Oh, fuck well, me. As, as haunted airplane that movies changes go. everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You see, uh, what well, I feel your pain because you, you guys watched these three together, didn't you? Yes. Oh, ah, yeah. like that's the. You see, I spaced them out over a couple of weeks. It's easier. <laughs> it's much easier because I yeah. saw that on, on the thread. I thought you're watching the three of these together. That's, you know, that's, what is that? It's like four hours of. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, all these these movies were like relatively short. This movie, because it's forgettable, there's not much to say about it. But the only thing I'll say to give it its dues, I thought the script was at least, well, there's stuff happening all the time. They like really tried with the script. Like they tried to, each character that was in the movie got like, a segment of like, oh, this is like what the character is about, but it was all really poorly executed. Mm. Like n- none of the characters were engaging, but at least they like just like, oh, here's like the military guy with his kids, and like this is a couple that's coming back from their honeymoon. They just got married. Here's some fucking pictures on a phone or whatever. Yeah, like the, the cardboard cutout characters didn't bother me too much because they didn't bother with uh, like in flight 7500 with pointless character development and exposition and we don't we don't care anyway here's a whole bunch of cardboard cutout people yes if you're watching garbage movies then character development is often pointless because we really don't care but in real movies which very few of us watch that often um character development is supposed to be a good thing you actually like like but it's just when you're watching I would agree that no character development is better than bad character development, but good character development development blah, blah, is supposed to be better than than either of those. You oh know yeah, what I'm and, 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 and I agree with that. I'm not disputing that. Yeah. But in, in the context of these and horror movies, and this is the very point you're making. Some yeah, we just don't care. Show me an exploding mm. head or something. I don't care about this person's past. Yeah, and it seems like that is a similarity between all these movies. It's like, here's the ensemble cast, whatever. Here's like all, all the characters that are going to be in the thing. And here's like a little bit of character development, mostly because like the, the setting of the movies don't really have anywhere to go. It's just you're in basically a room in the sky. That's it. Well, that's the thing. And, and that's another thing that struck me about these three movies they're all mercifully short. I, I think none of them extend more than 90 minutes, which is a good thing. And I think even two of them are 80 minutes. To do a full feature film in two rooms, if somebody was to tackle this uh, genre uh, seriously... Ryan Re- didn't Ryan Reynolds do a full feature film in a box? This is the point I'm making. It's down to script. But to do a full feature film in one or two rooms is challenging. You know, that yeah. Ryan, Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds film was seen as exceptional for what it achieved. Um, 
so it, you know it, it it is challenging i mean it, it's it's nearly like a stage play like it's spooky whodunit murder mystery stage play maybe spooky airplane would be better as a stage play yeah maybe yeah, maybe <laughs> It's a very niche thing. I don't think I'll be bringing it to the West End anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about the second best part of this movie? Which What's is the second, the second ghost and the ghost baby? That I didn't mind. Didn't I mind thought the ghost, ghost baby. baby was a nice touch. And like the sound effects that they used for ghost baby was like just off enough so that it makes you be like, Oh, uh, what's what's that sound? What is that? It sounds almost like a baby crying. I was so disengaged with this movie that Lagan and Brian picked up way lot way before I did that there was different ghosts. <laughs> I just thought it was the same shitty ghost over and over yeah, again. It's 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 to get into the plot points. Yeah, I suppose yeah. we haven't really explained. The captain um, is a. What? Yeah, you're giving away the spoilers for people who haven't seen it, but okay. Nobody fine. will ever see this <laughs> yeah, film. Yeah, oh god, please don't, <laughs> please don't watch these movies. Yeah, no one will ever see this film, although, who knows, but um, yeah, the captain is a serial killer who's killed a lot of women, and the ghosts of the women are haunting them on the plane. That's basically the, the, the plot of the movie. Yeah, but here's the thing, the ghosts of the women are haunting everyone other than the guy, you know? Like they're 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 bugging everyone who isn't that guy, and it's it's this is a problem with all ghost films where like the powers and abilities and desires. This might be a problem with ghosts in real life too. In that, like, if you ask, oh, someone, ghosts are real. Oh, I didn't know that. No, people who talk about ghosts as if they're real, and it's like, well, if your ghost in your stupid real life story about seeing a ghost is real, how come it doesn't do any of the th- other things it could do? based on what you've told me. And it's always written off as like, oh, we don't really know what they are, blah, mysterious, spooky ghosts. But like, yeah, the ghosts in this is, it was clear that they were going for, they wanted they wanted to be uh, avenged. Because they kept shouting it. Whenever they possessed someone, they were like, revenge! Oh, what the hell? Like, they fucking spelled it out. In fairness, like, that happened way late into the movie. Like they, were, they got tired of everyone in the film being a fucking dumbass and not being able to figure out what was going on, so they literally possessed a guy and shouted the word "revenge." Up until great. that point, they were speaking like gibberish, and like I think one character was like, "What? What? What do you want? What are you saying?" Like that. So yeah, no, fair point. No, I I do think yeah they were doing the vague ghost thing, and there was that other ghost that wrote "murder on a window." Yeah, and he should like. Would it be have been so much harder? They wrote murder. How much more effort would it have been to write? The pilot is a murderer. Yeah, <laughs> you only get this is ghost murder. rules. You only get to manifest one word. That's it. That's the <laughs> rules of being a ghost. Before we move on from flight six six, we. Oh no, we're we're not done with flight. We're not done with flight six six six. We have to talk about the fabulous um, cargo hold. Let, let me just drop a couple lines. Okay, we have the plane is not haunted. That's an insane theory. And then, like five minutes later, the flight attendant runs in the cockpit and it's like it's ghosts. The plane is haunted. Like <laughs> I just love love that transition. Yeah. Of like, no, it's definitely ghosts. Yeah, well, I mean, the genre is called Haunted Airplane, so I quite liked the pilot going, ah, it's not fucking Haunted Airplane. Um, <laughs> and then, as you say, 30 seconds later, yeah, fucking it, it's Haunted, you know? Should we explain the characters? No. 
I guess the only one that we haven't introduced would be the air marshal. I guess he's pretty important. There was a whole bunch of them. The whole bunch of them we haven't introduced, but they, none of them matter. None of them are intriguing. Uh, I would argue that Thick Lindsay Lohan is my favorite character. Yeah. Just because we called her that. I like that. <laughs> so, like I reiterate, none of them are interested. <laughs> like that's always that's the true. test. I, I think it's I think it's an unfair test myself. But that is uh, the canonical test of uh, is a character any good? Is can you remember their name? Oh no no no! Alice, we got oh, Alice shit. the flight what? attendant. Alice the flight attendant. Oh yeah. Okay. So she and in fairness, she she got a lot of screen time. We followed oh, yeah. her around. We saw her doing things. You know. Yeah, top billing, easy top billing. Yeah. So all right, so the characters that we have in this is uh. The black couple, one of them uh, is a medium who's seen ghosts. Yes. Uh, we have ex, ex-military man. Uh, we have uh, air marshal. We have flight attendants. We have pilot and co-pilot. And uh, thick Lindsay Lohan. Blonde Alan Cumming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the crazy guy that yeah. sort of started all these things happening because they're in the plane and there's a bunch of turbulence and they're in a storm because obviously. And then he's like, oh, I'm scared of flying. Like, I need my meds, blah, blah, blah. So he freaks out and goes to the bathroom and he sees the ghost. Or no, he looks out on the wing and sees the first half-naked ghost. Yeah, he gets double-dipped. Yeah, and then yep. he goes into the bathroom and then sees the the same ghost in the mirror and then... Different uh, ghost. Different Was ghost. it the different ghost? Yep, yep. He sees the one with the baby in the in the bathroom. I thought Thick Lindsay Lohan saw the ghost baby in the bathroom. She did too. She did too. Okay, okay. It's it was hard to tell. This is why I would conjecture the characters don't matter that much. Can, can I interject real yep. quick? Yep. Yep. Um, before we move too far away, one part that really bothered me is that people with medication don't separate themselves from their medication. Yeah, <laughs> uh, when Blonde Alan Cumming was like, "I need my medication. It's in my suitcase that I that's in the cargo hold. You need to go get it." Like, no, no, he would have it on him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but we need to. They really wanted to show off the cargo set, so we need to get there before we talk about the cargo set. I would just like to mention that they got a lot of mileage out of that shitty bathroom, and I was like, "Why do they? What is there something special about the bathroom?" But no, as someone pointed out, it's literally the only other room on the plane. So mm-hmm. if you're separating people from other people's because you want them to see the ghost by themselves, the airplane bathroom is literally the only place to do it. And they overdid it in Flight 666, I thought, because there was a lot. That bathroom got a lot of action. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe that's also why sure the ghosts teleported people into the cargo hold one on one. Yeah. For a little one-on-one ghost time. Because they wanted it was the only way to get them to a different place that wasn't the shitty airplane set. <laughs> wait, did they... They only did had three the, wait, rooms to work with. Did the ghosts... See, I'm getting confused between... The, oh, yeah, the ghosts did teleport people to the cargo hold. Well, I think it was more like they were giving them a vision of the cargo hold, but it's still shitty. Well, no, because when, when the flight attendant was trying to rescue Thick Lindsay Lohan from the bathroom, at some point she stops like, being able to hear the screams. And then the screams came back. Yeah, so, but that could just be Thick Lindsay Lohan going into a ghost trance as the ghost mm, trance. Okay. You know, like, like you, we don't actually see any physical teleportation. It's just all visions and crap. I think. It doesn't matter. That's yeah. how I interpreted. it. Also, I would just like to give a shout out to Kermit the Frog, the co-pilot. 
Captain Frog. Captain, Captain Frog. Frog. Whatever way they kept shooting at him, I think it's because his eyes were too big and his dark brown eyes made him look like he had giant pupils. I thought he looked like a sweaty Muppet for most of the movie. <laughs> I liked him. He was my favorite character, but only like thick Lindsay Lohan was Brian's favorite character. I like Kermit the Frog, the sweaty co-pilot. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 like I know we're back and forth about the importance of character, but if I was to place importance on character, ex-army guy and Sky Marshal, it kind of felt like could have been one. Yeah, we can't decide on who the the big male hero guy is, and it just felt like it felt a bit what why it felt like they couldn't decide because the Sky Marshal looked like dollar store Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then. The military guy looked like generic, you know, muscly guy. I thought they were gearing up for those two dudes to be having a fist fight. Yeah. Like that air yeah. marshal yeah. was going to turn out to be an asshole and the military guy would have to take him out or vice versa. But nah, they just, they were just cheap, <laughs> cheap to rent. Yeah. Instead, they had a, a horribly choreographed squabble. Oh, yeah. At the very end. the three men. Oh, that was the one thing I didn't like about the procedural aspect, but I can totally imagine it happening in a roleplay game where it was like, oh, the film's over. Oh, wait, no, it's getting messy. Oh, wait, it's it's still going. It's still messy. And it's because filming a big, dumb fist fight on a plane is way cheaper than all the ghost special effects stuff was. I, I think. Mm. I think it was a way to pad time is why that fight was so awkward and not interesting. It seems like... They couldn't decide the story of the hero role because it was like you had the military dude, you had the sky marshal, and you had um, pilot. Well, I mean, the co-pilot wasn't really the hero. I liked he, Kurt, he saves I, the no. You had crashing. the uh, the black guy. Yeah, black guy too. Oh, yeah, Kermit, the Fro- Kermit the Frog definitely came through at the end and saved the day, but he wasn't like. He he was literally the hero, but he wasn't like in the story the hero. In the story, he was like, "Oh, jeez, oh, yeah, what he wasn't the, hell? the role of the hero. He was in like the, role the person of who's supposed yeah. to save the day from the ghosts or whatever. You had three people vying for that role, so it seems like whoever was making the script just fucking couldn't decide and was just like, "Let's have them all." It was just a way to pad time. If you have like a bunch of shitty characters badly written, they can fill up more time. Than, than having like one character that were fo- imagine like if this film had just been closely following one character the entire film but had been written by the same guy it would be a nightmare to watch <laughs> I mean that, that was where I kind of tipped my hat to this movie in the sense that there's uh, usually with these crappy horror movies even the first and second act get padded with pointless exposition and bad acting and character development we don't need it didn't have that. It just kept it. It rolled along like a spook house ride or like a, a a theme park ride. It just rolled along, and stuff kept popping out. And um, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, well, can we roll along to the? Uh, we do have to talk about one one thing though. The ending sequence as Captain Frog is trying to land the plane. And he has to navigate the plane through the buildings of New York. (laughs) Yeah, it's like there is no way an airplane with its comms down would get anywhere near New York. You know, yeah, especially 2018. Mm -mm. 2018, that thing would have been blasted out of the sky. I don't. I think it was coming from somewhere in America too. So 
Like, even in the other films, 7500, they make a point of what would happen in real life. And I was like, oh, look, they did do the thing that would happen in real life. But in this film, we just get this ridiculous CG flying through the, like, thing, and then he crashes into LaGuardia or JFK or whatever it's supposed to be. JFK. I mean, that's yeah. one of the if things. If it matters. As if it matters that you either admire or despise about these movies. It's like, we want a big dramatic sequence where he's, you know, like flying through buildings. And you go, that was the intention. But the result is just abysmal. And depending on what way you look at it, it's either wonderful or it's terrible. It's terrible in this case. It, it, it was Somebody thought it would add drama. And it's just a lame CG plane flying through lame CG buildings um, and crashes. Yeah, it would have gotten... It would have gotten shot down by the secret missiles that are in the Empire State Building now. Yeah, you said it. And uh, and it crashes into a completely empty airport terminal because people were too hard to animate. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so yeah, ghosts get their revenge. We didn't discuss the cargo bay though, did we? I, I wanted to get the to go- that so we can the, get I, So the Scooby gang, a whole bunch of people fighting... Fighting for who's going to be the main character, decide to go down into the cargo hold because they finally decipher the ghost clues, lead them down to the cargo hold, and lead them to a specific bag or something. I can't remember why they wind up on that bag, but maybe the there's ghost... a trail of blood once they get okay. into the. I can't even. Uh, but the cargo, cargo hold. hold. Which can we just talk about the set? Oh my god, the cargo hold set. <laughs> I mean, for our listeners, we keep we've mentioned the cargo hold eighty-seven times. During the yep. course of this movie, because it's, it's the only different set. Yeah, and it's just a storage unit. They just cluttered up a storage unit. I love the way the bags are just placed randomly in the floor <laughs> yeah. at random angles because <laughs> oh, that's exactly how they pack airplanes. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, randomly spaced with space for the actors to walk in between them. You can see the roller shutter door of the storage yes, unit in the background, and you also mentioned that the floor is cement. It's concrete. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a concrete, concrete floor. floor. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. So so that the the floor struck me as catastrophically lazy because man, even if they got some metal plates or some, you know, for that shot, painted or something, <laughs> like just fucking painted. But even or just turn the lighting way down. Like you can get away with shit if that lighting was turned way down, where they're really in the dark and just buy a bunch of silver spray paint. I was reminded of a very peculiar cinematic reference when I watched that. There was uh, I forget the name of the movie, but it was a good movie about. The Germans on the Jersey Islands during World War Two, and the movie was made in based on a true story, mending. But the German uh, cattle truck train scene where Jews are being transported, but it was obvious because I'm a trainer that they didn't shoot it using a German train. They shot it using a preserved line in England. It was an English train, but he lit it spectacularly well because he knew he didn't have the right thing. He brought everything down and almost silhouetted the train to like a ghostly outline and it actually worked better and I was, remi- I was reminded of that because I thought if this was just lit differently you might have got away with it you know yeah what you just said requires like knowledge and talent yeah. which is <laughs> definitely <laughs> devoid of that in this movie it felt so lazy because you know that's the storage unit where the asylum have their other sets and it was yeah. just like oh <laughs> just know. fucking throw some bags over there and turn the lights off you know that was <laughs> That was it. Oh my oh. god, it was so bad. And here, here's the, I, I, just the fact that you mentioned you're a train nerd, and then earlier on you mentioned you're a plane nerd. I have a feeling we're going to be doing haunt. We're, uh, so, Christian, is your next suggestion going to be haunted trains? 
are haunted um haunted nucleus haunted nuclear reactors <laughs> anyway so that that was that was they figure out the pilot is the serial killer and they have a big brawl with him and then captain Frog, because of the bag of evidence yeah <laughs> oh my god so they they find a orgy of evidence like so the cap the evil pilot keeps every piece of evidence about him being a serial killer in one small bag on the plane he's flying in instead of keeping it like nowhere how about that like i was thinking that the only saving grace is you might have thought that like he might have thought since he is literally the pilot they're not going to be searching his bag and shit but still it's fucking stupid to bring around that like he literally had a knife there was a perfectly clean new kitchen knife in the bag as if a serial killer would also bring around the bat the knife and the hammerage oh it was all oh, so garbage and then they instead of like in real life the air marshal would have gone up to the po- cockpit and kept a got, got captain frog and said, okay, we're, I'm arresting you. Get out of the pilot seat. Captain Frog is going to land the airplane. But instead, they do this big, overly dramatic, big, dumb brawl that goes on forever. Like, the, the air marshal is threatening to shoot him on the spot. The yeah. pilot of the airplane. <laughs> you know, like, ah. While the pilot is, is is flying the plane because Captain Frog is incapacitated. That, I, loved, I loved that bit. Yeah. But that was the bit where I shouted at the television. It's going... You're going to sh- your reaction to discovering that the pilot is a murderer is to murder him. Yes. Yeah, and in fact, the murdering serial killer pilot had the correct reaction to that, which was like, "You want to do this now while I'm flying the plane <laughs> away from a storm?" Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. Uh, imagine, yeah, just yeah, a real life scenario. We know the pilot's a murderer. Get him! Get him now! <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, yeah. we've said all... Oh, uh, this is made by the asylum. The guy who directed this is an English guy who works for the asylum, and he also directed a movie for the asylum called Nazi Overlord. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah oh, is that a, that. That's just a rip-off of Overlord. Yeah, and, yes. and again, it's why this movie is so surprising, is that, as you said, this movie is a year old and stole heavily from a crappy movie we're going to get into that wasn't a commercial success. So you really wonder why this was made. Maybe this was his I baby. Feel like, I feel yeah. like the Asylum has like a certain amount of movies that they have to fill out every year. They have like a movie quota. Yeah, and they're maybe. just like, oh god, the number's so high, we haven't met it yet. So somebody quick, make something. Well, maybe this director or the writer or whoever convinced them like, oh, instead of spending real money to make a ripoff of some big budget movie... I can make you a film for under a hundred grand, and that was that the whole. This was sold on how cheap it was going I to thought, be. To I make. thought, like, I really thought you were going to say a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just I don't know how or why this was made, and I'm not sure any of us are glad it was made. Do we want to say anything more about it? I, I don't think so. Yeah, I like the ghost with the like gunshot wound in her head. That yeah, was that, fine. that was a good ghost. Yeah, her entrance where like everybody saw her was was well done. That, I think oh yeah, that and probably... that's the point where they just like give up on the mystery, and it's like, all yeah, right, ghosts, ghosts are here. If you remake this film, but from the point of the ghosts, and film the ghosts getting increasingly frustrated 
that none of the dumbasses on the planes can figure out. And, and the like Baldwin just loses the plot. And she's like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to manifest in front of a plane full of people. And, and those point do- at and the guy. And I'm going to point directly at the guy I want them to fucking look into. And if they can't, if they can't figure it out after that, I don't give a fuck. And then even that was, oh, we didn't mention the death of the pilot. So at the very end, the ghosts force the pilot. The pilot wrestles the gun away from the air marshal. It's a pity the air marshal didn't have two guns with which to defend himself with. But anyway, the air, air marshal, the, the pilot now has the gun because uh, guns are so good at defending yourself. And then the ghosts use, like, possess the pilot or force the pilot to kill himself. And then he gets, like, his ghost gets sucked out the back of the plane into something. Lagan thought he saw the ghost. Lagan, what do you say what you thought you saw? So, I, yeah, it was was hard to make out because, like, there was just a bunch of CGI mess. But I think I saw, like, a a silhouette of, of the captain's soul. Like getting dragged completely out of the airplane and getting hit by lightning. <laughs> I think that's what. Oh, happened. I think that, that is so what happened. Great. No, I th- no, I think Lady yep. is correct there. I missed it. <laughs> I must have blinked and missed it or fell asleep or yeah, something. Yeah, no, it was like three seconds. Yeah, and, but yeah. oh, that's so great. So his punishment was his ghost got hit by lightning. <laughs> um, oh boy. Anyway, so yeah, that was that was flight six six six. Yeah. Also, also one last thing about it. I'm pretty sure that they <laughs> use different actresses for the ghosts and like the beginning montage of the women that he oh, yeah, killed. There, there were way more victims than there yeah. were ghosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the next movie obviously is going to be seventy five hundred. Can somebody check for me? When was seventy five hundred made? What year? Twenty fourteen. Shall I introduce it or to, to hell? I'll introduce it. Seventy five hundred is another movie in the genre of haunted airplanes. And, man, I'm going to struggle to introduce this. There's people on a plane, and spooky stuff starts to happen. And uh, this movie was directed by, I can't pronounce his (laughs) name, the guy who directed The Grudge. And The Grudge was a major motion picture starring Buffy, the vampire slayer, in about 2004. And it came out of that slew of uh, Asian horror movies uh, that were in the cinema. Oh, at the I time. have a question. I have, yeah. I have a question. The director of this movie, we should probably look up his name. Takashi, Just, Takashi Shimizu? Shimizu. Okay, Takashi Shimizu. Was he director of the Japanese Grudge or the or the yeah, Buffy no, no, Grudge? No, 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 no. He was director of the Japanese Grudge. No, no, he did the Sarah Michelle Gellar one. He did both. Yeah. And that's he why did both. Okay, never mind. Okay, continue because I was. I just don't. That would be a mistake that people would point out. Yeah, but okay. because that was look, the Grudge was a big studio film and was bland, obviously, but was competently made at least, even if it was bland. Mm-hmm. So I was expecting. That's why I chose this movie. I thought surely this would be competently made, and the fact that he's worked on some big budget movies, this will probably have a moderate budget. But then it sort of became apparent there was very little about this movie out there. This must be a fucking stinker. The plot of this movie is a bit of a mess to me because it, it tried to shotgun in a few different things. Uh, the Asian horror element, the Asian uh, murder doll. Can we, do we need to... There's a guy on a plane. He has a mysterious box. And a bolo tie. And a bolo tie. And a fairly standard setup. There's a mysterious man with a mysterious box and that turns out to be the source of the spooky things. I think that's enough of a setup. Off we go. 
That's all the setup. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't anything else. It was just like everybody's getting on the plane. Guy sits down, pushes mysterious box. Like camera cuts to him pushing mysterious box in front of him, under the seat, under the seat in yeah. front of him, and then yeah. he dies. He just chokes out mysteriously. And like, there's oh, ret- returning, uh, I guess star. Ryan Quentin, <laughs> if I'm pronouncing that right. Oh yeah, dead he's reti- silence. He is in dead silence. So inside of his head makes microwave noises. Man returns. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cast at for this movie at the time was noticeable. Like Amy Smart's in it. Leslie Bibb's in it. Fucking Turtle from Entourage is in it. Uh, the thing, uh, yeah, that's why. As I said, sometimes when I look at these movies, the development. I'd like to know more about the development, how it got made. Like, this guy, I know he's made a few grudge sequels. Maybe they're all garbagey because it just... How did they go from making a major Hollywood movie when Sarah Michelle Gellar was at the peak of her career, when that was a what a producer, Hollywood producer would say, a real hot ticket. How did they go from that to this? A decade. It's a decade. That's the thing. It's 10 years <laughs> because I was shocked. I thought, oh... Because I'd come off uh, 666 where it was terrible computer graphics. I was like, this has got terrible computer graphics. There's, there's, where, what, there's no money being spent here. The plane is a terrible computer animation. Yeah, here's the thing, though. Yes, in 2014, the, the play, outside of the plane was garbage. But at least they had a better inside of the plane than yeah, Flight 666. they did. At least, like, Flight 666 had three rooms. That's it. This, at least, they, like, had a upper floor. Yeah. Yeah. That they could use as, like, another set for different scenes. And a realistic cargo hold. A realistic cargo hold. They did their homework. Well, that upper deck is not a makey-uppy thing. That obviously, a 747 has that upper deck. When you you say obviously, but you're, you're the one who knows most about airplanes here, Christian. Yeah, but it was it was a clever decision to put it on a 747, because you have an upper deck, you know. Um, yeah. So you have, as as you said, you have another room to play with. Um, yeah. So yeah, all these all these people are going to Japan because they needed to work in the Japan stuff, mm-hmm. um, and and they like introduce all these people and all the little problems they're having in their life. Like one of the stewardesses is having an affair with the captain, um, and then the other stewardess doesn't really like her fiance. Like she's not like head over heels in love with him. The there's a couple who like aren't a couple anymore because we learned that they had miscarriages. So it's just kind of a Congo line of like, here's this, these people (laughs) and here's here's their problem. (laughs) You know, like, and introducing. (laughs) The Congo line of characters and their issues. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. And so, and then the spooky doll, the, the guy with the bolo tie who had the spooky doll dies and you're like is somehow this gonna... how did he die he just choked. never 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 explained it never explained he, he just, just dies he just starts spitting up blood and dies Fucking yeah dies. that's it yep. he just dies turtle and microwave head uh like tend to him um i don't know why i missed it the turtle and microwave head announced that they're like a doctors or something no no they did not Okay. My- microwave did seem to be relatively competent at it. Yeah. Like we saw him put on a glove and take out the <laughs> the defibrillator. Yeah. yeah, and he seemed yeah. to know how to how to work it. You know, like... yeah. So he was he must have been a doctor or something. But if he, but they never he... say that. I love that because the characters are so convincing. It's that moment when he goes, "I'm a paramedic." <laughs> Inside you go, "Really? 
Really? Wait, did he say that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. He says, I'm a paramedic. <laughs> okay, because his delivery and face is so dry that I just, you know, kind of spaced it out, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so they, they, um, the turtle and microwave head failed to save this guy. And I think that is 100% in the fiction that the thing sets up. I think that is literally 100% an event that has nothing to do with any of the other stuff that happens. Well, they don't really like get to why he died so violently on the plane. Like he has this spooky doll and they talk no, about the spooky I, doll. I really think the like... spooky doll has nothing to do with the all the spooky doll did was make that guy he was obviously okay with dying. Like, or maybe, well, actually, we don't know. From his perspective, he might have died, and he might have been haunting a version of the, the airplane. The spooky doll contained, like, a death spirit, or whatever, that helps ferry people to the other side. Spoilers. Yeah, let's get to that. It's so fucking incoherent. And yeah, we'll get to that after we talk about how after he died, they just, like, put him up on the top deck and got all the people who were in first class and put him with the plebs on the first floor and just put a sheet over this dead guy and left him. So this yeah. this was this was the part of the movie that I liked was the tension of there being a dead guy mm. in a contained space and like no one really knowing like what they should do about it how they should feel about it like that I I, I felt that was a like a great setup and so what happens After following <laughs> that is really disappointing yeah it was a good setup that didn't go anywhere unfortunately yeah and again you know all the point was character exposition I remember pausing this. And it was an hour in and nothing had happened. You know, nothing had happened. When it turned out what this film was about, it was like, oh my God, who cares? (laughs) Yeah, see, this movie felt like it just shotgunned together a few different things badly. It was almost like the guy who directed it still was like, hey, remember when I was hip and cool and current and did the spooky Asian movies? And it it was also... um, Again, being an airplane nerd, it was loosely based on a real life event as well. Um, if, from memory, what was it this time? Heli, uh, from memory, um, Helios Airways Flight Five Two Two, the hypoxia thing, which we'll get into, which is kind of the climax of this film, the hypoxia syndrome. That that was a, a thing that happened on a flight. So, I, I, and that happened in oh five or oh six, and I think that. That might have been where the script started for this, and then because he's Japanese, he got in the Japanese horror element. But a lot of this, for me, this movie was didn't work. Um, it felt incoherent, badly developed, um, and and they kind of did nothing with what they had, um, and had a better, and yet had a much better set than uh, Flight Six Six Six. Is it is it time to reveal the twist? Yeah, well, I've, I've, I've kind of hinted at it. Um, yep, been kind of dancing around it. Yeah, with the hypoxia yeah. thing. Um, yeah, somebody reveal the twist. The twist is they were dead all along. Ooh, that's, that's never been done in a horror film before. Yeah, so at some point the, the plane goes through some turbulence and all the oxygen masks drop down and everybody gets them. Everybody's struggling to put them on and like the characters run around and put masks on for other people to show that they're the heroes of the story and stuff. And like they all just died from... Uh, the, the masks weren't working properly. 
the masks weren't working properly, and also one of the seals on the plane got busted, so there was rapid decompression, and everybody just died from oxygen deprivation. Although, the one thing that I liked about that was, like, before that scene happens earlier in the movie, um, there's a bunch of plastic bottles and shit that just sort of, like, crumpled up that the characters were looking at and that's that's a thing that happens during Oh yeah, no, that was a nice touch. That that was still at the point where I had hoped for this movie. I was like, "Ooh, isn't that like they're showing the the rapid decompression events cuz the air hostess, I think it's the air hostess who's looking at it and she's like, "Oh shit, I know what this means." And then I think she hits the button for all the or she she raises the alarm as soon as she sees her bottle rapidly crumple and i like that because the rap the bop, bottle rapidly crumpling is a real thing but looks like a supernatural yeah, thing so yeah. that was really cool yeah, yeah i thought that yeah. was great and yeah i really thought that was great and i love as you say the way they can play it as two different things and the paramedic guy goes i should have known my fingernails turned blue so oh yeah but oxygen deprivation the the, the, the problem is the uh, twist the shocking twist they planted a far too obvious seed or maybe because she goes and she asks the pilot hey did you see an f-16 out there I, like i don't know is that a thing someone would say didn't she just say jet no she said f-16 oh okay see i was i was having trouble paying attention by that point so I was like, oh, is there a plane training them? And I just, I've kind of forgot about it. Well, she saw a green flashing light. Yeah, if I, if I had not forgotten about that scene, that would have been way too obvious that like, oh, this plane is flying blind. I wonder why it's flying blind. It would oh, have been, whoops. yeah, it would have been much better that if she just said, did you see a plane or something out there? The fact that she said F-16, people automatically think of, oh, there's only one reason an airplane has F-16s anywhere near it. Uh, so it kind of gave away the, the spoiler. Um yeah, they sort of start, like, towards the end of the movie, they sort of start, like, revealing stuff after after goth chick is, like, they find the doll this that's locked Shinigami. in a creepy... Yeah. And the goth chick knows what it is and explains exactly what it is. And... Yeah, does a bunch of exposition, and then slowly, like, all, all the characters start, like, seeing stuff, or, like, there's some internal monologue that they have about the <sighs> mild conflicts that they introduced when they introduced all the characters at the beginning of the movie. Speaking and, like, of the Shinigami, I don't know, do we want to even talk about... So, that's supposed to be, like, a guiding spirit that helps you accept death, and it's, like, so it ex- helps you accept death by being real spooky and dragging you off, or and so, like... Like the lady, the Asian air hostess lady who gets dragged into the compartment, the like the the luggage compartment. It, was that supposed to be helpful? Like, oh, it helped her accept it. They they all figured they all accepted death by themselves with no help from a magic spirit. Yeah, no, it helps you accept death by pretending you're not dead and letting you figure that out for a long time. So then you can go, actually, I am dead. That's not helping you accept Until anything. Until it broadcasts the news clip. <laughs> Telling you that you are dead. Yeah, that's not yeah. helping you. Yeah, right. that, that's just torture. That's just well, maybe you're dead. Yeah, no, I, d- I did not. I did not like this it movie guided thing in the, movie. the Asian hostess into the luggage compartment. Yep. <laughs> Shloop. <laughs> the, the real life event that I think probably inspired at least part of this script is really, really creepy and horrible to read about, and. There's a, what happened like to that plane by mass, the way? Mass hypoxia or whatever? Yeah, it's more far more interesting. A bit like in the movie, 
There was a dodgy seal on the door. An engineer hadn't... Had, I don't want to get into the nerdy details, but he had set it to manual instead of automatic. The flight didn't notice, so they were losing oxygen the whole time. Mass hypoxia. The whole plane, everybody's passed out, including the pilots, except one guy. A male steward who was using a mobile air mask. So just think about that as... Oh yeah, and in this movie, microwave head yeah. pulls out a um, yeah yeah a portable oxygen tank. Yeah, I was about to say that 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 More is proof the good version of this movie. Yeah, but I actually think it's so horrific that I'm not even sure how you'd make it into a movie. Is the one that somebody finds a the portable one in time? Maybe some clever guy notices that his mask isn't working and grabs the portable one. And so, yeah, what happened? I assume that plane just crashed. But it's it's what makes it even sadder. I want to dedicate uh, this podcast to the memory of that guy. So everyone has passed out on this plane. Like it's terrifying. He's got his mobile mask. He's making his way up through the plane. The F-16s have been scrambled at this point. And he sees them and he actually waves at them and they wave at him. So there's an acknowledgement. He gets into the cockpit because he has a pilot's license. And he didn't have one for his 737, but they reckoned he had enough to try and do something. But by the time he got there, it was too late. The engines had flamed out and it went into a nosedive. Oh, oh God damn it. But it's just like, it's, it's as I said, just... It's a nightmare. That is just, it's the most horrific fucking, I can't even, like, that was that guy's last half an hour. Imagine the last half an hour of his life. I mean, it's like seeing your death coming, right? Like, you're trying to do everything to stop the inevitability of the end of your life, and you try and you try, and nothing can be done about it. Was the plane set to autopilot? Why was it too late by the time he got to the cockpit? Was it just it took him ages it to took get to him the cockpit? Ages to, I, it must have been quite a long time to get to the cockpit, or the plane only had enough fuel, I'm not sure, for the flight it was on. It uh, By the time he got to the cockpit, fuel starvation had set in. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, but that's what it was like. He was so close to... He's, yeah, that guy experienced a horror movie setup. Yeah, far scarier than any of the fucking. Oh yeah, shit we life just is way scarier than any. And here's movie. the thing: you've never heard of that airplane because if he got control and manages to land it, it would have been a major feature film. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it's too, it's too depressing. The played thing that by Tom Hanks. Yeah, t- yeah, yeah. But um. Yeah, that, so that inspired this movie. And and in the real version of the thing, they weren't dead. They were just suffering from hypoxia. No, they were all passed out. So they were on their way to... But if he had managed to... I don't know. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, that's I feel, horrible. I feel dirty talking about yeah. these cheap airplane movies now, but yeah. okay. Well, you're going to feel dirtier when we talk <laughs> about the next also, movie. Also, actually, just before we move on from 7500, because it's a segue into this, it's worth pointing out that uh, for whatever reason, in 7500, the in-flight entertainment included the classic episode of The yes. Twilight Zone with William Shatner. That's right. There's a gremlin on the wing. So there's a lot of William Shatner in this. Um, and William Shatner is in this next movie we're going to talk about. But I would also love to mention the uh, skeezy guy who steals watches and phones. Oh! Going up to yeah. the dead body and and not grave robbing it, but grave robbing this man who just died. And then taking a video selfie, being like, here's me with a dead guy. How cool is that? Oh, boy. And then the, the dead body starts moving. And that's, as they say, the jump off. 
Yeah, and this movie was made in 2014, and the guy references basically global recession, and his answer to global recession is to rob stuff from dead people. Yeah, right. And then go to fucking Japan to sell it? Wouldn't it be the opposite? Guess so. I don't fucking know. What do you mean the opposite? Wouldn't you get a bunch of cool stuff from Japan and then come to America to sell it? Yeah. Maybe he was doing that as well. Who knows? Oh, going both ways? Yeah. But okay. like that guy, like, because he had a big bag of phones and because we learned that he's a bit of a dirtbag, I mean, you could really have set him up as being quite a sinister character. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, a, a few little quick flashbacks to he's in Thailand or wherever, you could really have set that up, that guy to be you know, a dirtbag that we all want to die horribly. And that would that's always an interesting thing in a movie. But I guess there weren't really any villains in this, right? Right. It's all just... He had a little bit of charm. People dying. Yeah. Ugh. So, um, Michael, why, why don't you introduce... Can we, I just clarify something as well. Because the movie you're going to introduce has a long title, can we just refer to it as 37,000 Feet from now on? Because it's such a long, clunky title. Well, the horror at 37,000 feet is too long. Is it, it is the too horror long. or the terror? The horror. horror. It's the horror. The tagline for Flight 666 is the terror at 30,000 feet. It's interesting because the classic Twilight Zone episode, I think, is called the horror at 20,000 feet. Escalating. <laughs> I think we should call it CHA 37K. <laughs> no, thank you. Can we just call it... Podgy alcoholic William Shatner needs a job. Anyway, so in THA 37K, in this goddamn movie, I missed the very... <laughs> when I arrived at Lagan's house, the credits were still playing, so I assumed I hadn't missed much, but apparently there was a conga line of character introductions. I don't care, because they did enough in the film as well. Um, the the reasons I like this movie is it is bonkers. So not only are they transporting the uh like parts of a like an abbey with like includes a druidic druidic sacrificial altar on an airplane we never get to see it by the way they're transporting it on the very day that's important to the druids and we find that out later in the film and so they're doing that and then uh william shatner we find out is a priest who has lost his faith who's on the airplane and that doesn't even, like, even though that's also a great, crazy, goddamn detail, um, we, it never gets into it much. Like, it's not like we, we were waiting for to, um, William Shatner to have to uh, exercise the airplane. Fight but some he, ghosts. He, he doesn't... Austin makes him feel He good. doesn't quite do that. And I like that more because they keep talking about how the thing in the hold is it is like a like a like i've seen descriptions online say that it's druid ghosts but here's the thing is the the lady the crazy lady in the film who is like knows all the exposition about the druids she keeps talking about how the it's the druids who worshiped the old ones and the, it's a, like a god like a a crazy wind god and this crazy yeah, wind god also makes uh, like big patches of moss, which looks like slimy <laughs> ectoplasm stuff grow everywhere. It's not moss. They keep calling it moss, but it's like green slimy stuff. So I, in my head, I'm like, oh, it's like a crazy Cthulhu-esque great old one. It's not even like one of the stat. It's a non-standard. The other two films, they were clearly ghosty type things. Like they were supposed to be go- like dead people coming back from i'm not sure like this has the most interesting spooky thing because it's an angry druid god or something and then the the reason it's on the plane is because the wife of some rich american architect guy wants it back in his 
family. like the wife wants to bring it yeah wants to bring it back to America to have it on that side of the water and we learn that she is supposed to be sacrificed because the line of people she comes from that was their deal is every so often they'd sacrifice one of their family members and it's been a long long time since they've done that because the cat the not the catholic church because it's america the filthy protestant abbey on top of it was like keeping the uh, the the druids at bay like they built an yep. abbey on top yep. of the sacrificial druid thing so this hadn't been an issue in years so some hungry ass ancient druidic H.P. Lovecraft god wakes up in an airplane beside a snack and is like, oh, it's snacking time. They mention it's ghosts. Yeah, but, but, but as Michael said... No, no, the, the, the people on the plane refer to them as ghosts, but the, the lady who knows what's up keeps talking about old ones. Like, and it might be ghost druids working with a crazy old one but they're definitely sacrificing her to this crazy old one wind god thing oh yeah they are sacrificing it to the druid god that's a major plot point where people are ganging up on her you know um yeah and and this film is just bananas like it's so great yeah as michael said as spooky airplane movie go it's a much better script more interesting more detailed i mean it's a more interesting plot but i don't know if it's a better script uh, well it's it's a, but it's a classic case for me it's like i'm not sure am i disappointed or delighted that i never get to see the thing <laughs> you know what i mean i, I like it i, I think like they it, pulled actually. that part off like there's a lot of movies that try to go for this like lovecraftian concept of like here's some sort of elder god thing and because they like run out of budget or didn't have enough budget, they have to make you not see it. But the setup to not seeing it can be good enough to be the payoff if done correctly. What was almost good enough in this was it, it like, even though it's hokey in 1970s and has a Scooby Doo quality to the aesthetic, some of the stuff was much creepier than the other two movies we spoke about. Even just the cargo containers. Um, sort of looking as though something's trying to break out. That was creepier than anything in any of the other movies. Just I that. like that, because, I, I, I mean, it was kind of garbagey looking, but I, I preferred, I'm not sure it was a creepier looking, but I preferred it. I liked the idea that what's in there, something huge is trying to, and the way that the spooky druid ancient god thing was peeling back parts of the airplane and stuff, I was like, oh, that's quite... I mean, obviously it's garbage looking, right? <laughs> yeah. But it was in, it was more interesting, I thought, as an idea. And like the crazy voodoo doll, who wants to get into it in more detail? I don't. I just want to talk about... <laughs> I just want to talk about like this film in general, like yeah, bits and yeah. pieces. I think a point-by-point breakdown of like, actually what happens mightn't be in anyone's best interest. No, because there's a lot of exposition, but at least... It's moderately interesting exposition. You know, this movie is 80 minutes because it was a TV movie and I found it a fairly easy 80 minutes. And I had watched this just before we recorded Spooky Moon. And I remember I said it to you, I said, it's actually not a bad film. And I don't think it's a bad film as 1970s TV movies go. The the whole aesthetic and look of the the little air hostesses in their silly white boots because it's the 1970s. And the and, and the, their hats, they're like yeah. uh, uh, jockey helmets. white jockey helmets. It's it's great though how there's only a handful of people on the plane, and that's so convenient to the plot. And I and I <laughs> and I liked all of that. And 
the guy who directed this um, directed, as we know, in the 1970s, he had a slew of airplane disaster movies. There was the whole series, you know, the airport series, Airport 71, 72, and 3. Airplane? Or, no, airport. And uh, But here's the thing. So they made a slew of those up till Airport 79, which was Airport 79 Concord. Which this they guy made seventy nine of those movies? No, every year, Brian. They didn't make seventy nine. Seventy one, <laughs> seventy two, seventy three. And that's what they were called, Airport seventy three. But the last one they made was Airport seventy nine Concord, which was directed by the same guy who directed this movie. And um he directed a whole bunch of hokey seventies disaster stuff. And um I, I I wonder why William Shatner got this gig. Was it was it the connection to the classic Twilight Zone thing? Or was it just that he was in a whole bunch of garbage 70s stuff. I think a star was on the rise by this time. Yeah. What we noted is that he wasn't top of billing. Like, the top billing in this film was some other guy that none of us know. Yeah, yeah. Chuck Connors. Who the hell is Chuck Connors? Was he the pilot who had, like, the very leathery face that was all one yeah. color? Yes. <laughs> like, who the hell is... I mean, I know maybe somebody listening is like, "Oh, Chuck Connors, he played a cowboy in all those spaghetti yeah, westerns." He's been in a lot of things. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't wonder, know Chuck you know, Connors the way is. billing can get very complicated. Did he get top billing because maybe he was a known face in television? Maybe that's why he got top billing. But um, yeah, one hundred percent. It's funny we were talking. Like I'm always interested in the production and the look of things, and we were talking about the hokey CG airplanes in the other two movies. We need to talk about. The CG, fr- I mean, no CG. There's no CG in this. Uh, the Frost. Well, not just the Frost, but the little, you know, miniature airplane they used to do all the exteriors. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I thought that was cute. It, but, but this is the peculiar thing. That was the equivalent of doing shitty CG, you know, proportionately in terms of cost. But it's amazing how much better it ages. And, and as you say, it's endearing. It's fun. Like the little airplane didn't. I mean, they probably asked William Shatner. They were like, "Hey, hey, how do we pull off like a spaceship, but in the sky and not in space?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, just take this model and wave it around." <laughs> yeah. he, he, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna make a point here about that. Is the yes, the garbage CGI looks garbage to us now. But here's the thing, and Christian's saying how it ages badly, and I wonder will the the bad CG become so laughable in the future that like people will be like oh look at that oh my god can you believe that they put that in a movie well that's that's the point i'm making about the asylum will those movies ever come good but what what was wonderful about this was the little miniature airplane that they didn't even bother to light like they had no lit windows in it it had absolutely (laughs) no lit windows which would have been an easy thing to do but they just didn't bother so like this was the equivalent of an asylum movie this was a garbage movie of the week but the plot was good and as it's bonkers and i love stuff where it alludes to bigger ideas and the druid stuff and the the demigod stuff and all of that and i like no, I, I don't want to say the plot was good i said the plot tickled me pink with how crazy it was <laughs> yeah they sort of just like at at one point in the movie just explained everything and it was absolutely insane yeah and and <laughs> Also, whether it was deliberate or not, those pieces where, you know, towards the end, William Shatner is there with a lit flaming torch climbing through this airplane. (laughs) Yeah, and there's moss growing around him. And they obviously got a TV guy to do the score because it's got a Star Trek original series type score where it's got this big brass section and strings 
coming in and you go, this is kind of fun. You know, this is fun because it's William Shatner doing it. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Like all the and all the different characters were much more like memorable. Yeah. Than the slew of characters we got in the other movies. You had the actor who was acting in spaghetti westerns yes. and coming back to America who was still dressed as a cowboy for some reason. So yeah, he, ca- he was filming spaghetti westerns. And he had that weird haircut, and then he just he came with his outfit on to get on an airplane, and then he was like he was he was like really embraced his role as like the dumb character. You always knew that like oh it's the dumb cowboy guy who who hits on every yeah, woman. He hits on every woman, in in one case kind of physically. <laughs> the, I mean this this movie was very handsy. Everybody was very handsy with each other, which I guess was just a seventies thing. Yeah, I don't. But think you can't do that handsy. today. There was no, lots of no. women fainting, and then William Shatner touching them. <laughs> like... But that was just. But even as I said, like the 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 the, the way the air air stewards were dressed is an Austin Powers gag now. Because yeah. they were oh, yeah. dressed so the big white stripper boots and the little skirt. This is insane. But that was just a thing. But um, can I just say how much nicer planes in the seventies were than planes now? Oh, way nicer. Like, yeah, way they nicer. had chairs that like rotated. Yeah. They had tables. They had a bar. It wasn't just like sardines packed in a flying dick-shaped can. This is the thing. Like that. That was a seven forty-seven as well in this movie and. The 747 has a big bubbly upper deck. When that plane was designed, it was designed in the 60s, the only purpose for the upper deck was a bar. That was it. It was, it like, was all like luxury stuff. Yeah, it was like, can we, can we, I know that, I know the plane you're working on is grand, but can you add another story to it? Why? Oh, we have to put a bar in. Like some of those bars had grand pianos, baby grands and stuff. It was a different, mm-hmm. completely different time. But um, yeah. Instead of like a necessary means of travel, it was like the luxury means of travel. I, I really like the, yeah, like Lagan was saying, is the characters we got were ridiculous, but they were all memorable. There was like angry rich guy who kept barging into places and demanding things based on, as far as I can tell, just that he was a rich guy. Like, he was like, what are you doing about it? Come over here, do this. And like, it was all, it just, I was like, does he have any authority in the city? What's his authority? Again? He has the most authority being rich. That, and that, but that was it. It established that he knew about flying and that he had noticed the airplane was circling. And he said to the air steward, you know, air hostess, don't bullshit me. You know, so it was established he knew a little bit about flying, but it has, this movie has the wonderful stuff that the airplane comedy movies made fun of. It has all that stuff in it. It has the ridiculous ensemble cast bursting into the cockpit to shout at the pilot. You know? <laughs> it's trying to find the plane that there's an ensemble cast of B-movie <laughs> shouting things at him. That's also a great part is that the... Uh, rather than like a being lost in a storm or something, the ghost druids literally held the plane in place because they had unresolved business. Like, no, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, they were just like, we're caught in a jet stream or whatever. And it was the ghost just being like, Mm-mm, you can't move from this spot. Yeah, because in all the other films, you're like, why aren't they landing immediately? And there was like garbagey reasons for that. But in this it was because the was radio sh- was out strongest the strongest most aggressive ghosts they weren't even ghosts they were like ancient old one gods they were ghosts in addition to in so addition much to wind the wind yeah the wind god literally pins the plane in place and i i thought that was like 
oh wow that's like as aggressive supernatural forces go that's incredibly aggressive yeah and it's as i said it's it's the best way to write one of these things we need to talk or is it too early to talk about the best optical effect in any movie ever which is when william shatner gets sucked out of there <laughs> yes oh, oh man oh that's amazing oh. 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 Yeah, that film that was it was so great. It was so garbage, and it was so great. They I just took that. a picture of William Shatner and just like put it on no, the sunset. No. He's moving, and that's what makes it hilarious. You can see what what had me pissed at myself is he's wearing like seventies platform boots and flares, and he's just <laughs> he's just kind of kicking his legs a little bit. You know? oh, I, th- I think they just rotated the picture oh, slightly. God. I think it was just a still image. Oh my god, maybe it was. I, well, whatever. It looked garbage. <laughs> uh, but it was great. It was like, it's like, oh boy, this film is the, the parts of it where they're trying to be good like, are like entertaining me and the parts of it that where they're like hilariously bad are also entertaining me <laughs> when they when they learn that to combat the god of gods of darkness and cold and wind they need a big fire and and the captain's like you can't burn the plane to save it <laughs> oh my god that's such a good line they started <laughs> Oh. <laughs> they lit a big oh. fire in the middle of the plane. And they would have instantly all choked to death if they had done that in real life. But because this is a film they don't or maybe they didn't want it they didn't have a way to show the, the cabin filling with smoke. They should have all died. <laughs> like Well, I mean, you could smoke on planes then, so yeah. Nobody cared because it was just like a lot of people are smoking cigarettes now. It's just the same. Yeah, but no, this this movie from the pilot's point of view would be hysterical. He's trying to get the planes doing something really strange. He can't get out of this strong headwind, and then somebody calmly tells him (laughs) they're lighting a bonfire in the first class compartment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 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 and and uh, when the one of the stewardesses. like here's the dog barking and things are getting cold and she's like oh better better leave into the elevator and it stops working and they have to rescue her and the other stewardess is trying to keep people calm and she's like oh don't worry about it it's just a run of the mill yeah. airplane elevator accident yeah. <laughs> yeah, right this movie had a bunch of good lines that were just like people don't say that yeah. <laughs> yeah. that is the exact opposite way to believably calm people down oh screw it i might make a trailer for this movie where it's just <laughs> it's just all this stuff it's, you can't burn the plane to save it that would be in the trailer <laughs> that, no that should have been the tagline for the movie um but yeah the run that the air elevator thing is hilarious you know because it's a run-of-the-mill elevator accident it's broken and frozen <laughs> that, that's that's run of the mill. <laughs> you, yep, pretty normal. Oh, and oh, when um, uh, when William Shatner, because I missed the very start of it, his wife, lover, girlfriend, whatever, decides the best way to deal with the situation is to yes. construct a voodoo doll of the lady and offered that to the the wind gods. That was like, oh boy. I mean, I was going to criticize it, but I've been like run roleplay games where characters have come up with solutions to situations that are as ridiculous as that and also don't work. But the fact that they do it and then the... And they use 
Well, she Vietnamese. The child's doll. They use the child's doll and they tape hair and fingernails and bits of clothes to it. It's like, oh boy, this is real dark. And the way that, like, so, like, I don't mind them having bonkers rules about the, like, the great old one wind god thing because that doesn't exist anyway. And, like, the like the fact that the, I, I thought it was bonkers that it was summer solstice. The, the nicest, longest, warmest day of the year was the Dread God's special day. I was like, why, would it have made any difference if they had met at Winter Solstice? Like, why didn't they do that? Or some other day? You know, just pick one of these spookier equinoxes or whatever. You know, like they, they picked like the nicest um, day that has a special... Anyway, I'm getting off topic. The part that made me a bit queasy was when the Asian actress lady who was saying that she was a model or something instantly said that she knew about the voodoo stuff and understood yeah, the voodoo weird. stuff and was like, oh, yes, I'll help you because this makes perfect sense to me. Like, she alluded to that they, wherever she's from, they do the same thing. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm not sure. Can you do that 1970s film? Well, I mean, it's a 1970s Which means that film, she's so like a, uh, an Asian model from, like... Haiti or West Africa? That's yeah, a little strange. Tell me more about that. Tell me more. Make a movie about a Asian supermodel voodoo priestess from West Africa. Yeah. Well, this is the point I was making. It was a little bit like, oh boy. But I think it was just that the writer of the film was like, oh, you know, spooky stuff. Everybody who's not from the American Midwest knows about spooky stuff. But like the, um, what was I going to say? But that was bonkers. That whole scene where they offered up the voodoo doll. And there's like this blood hungry gang. It's special needs cowboy and super angry rich guy and shrill William Shatner girlfriend and Asian model are like huddled like a weird, a weird little gang of crazy people watching the voodoo doll getting melted. And I was like, oh, this film is so weird. And the fact that I remember all those four characters and that they have four very different kind of jobs or roles, that's what I kind of liked about this movie. Everybody had like, oh, and we haven't even talked about Black Doctor. Yeah. Black Doctor was the most reasonable character in the entire movie. Uh, so that's why we haven't mentioned him a lot because he only got to do very sensible, ordinary things. Yeah, he didn't oh! do a whole lot. Oh! He didn't the... like raise his voice or anything. So the thing about this movie that makes it better than the other ones is you can actually remember the people in this movie. Yeah, Brian, I want to say something about Black Doctor because he did have one great scene in it that wasn't that was so. The other guy, the two pilot guys, go down into the hold. And one of them freezes to death after staring into the spooky thing. And the other guy gets his arm frozen and only barely escapes. The scene with the doctor, which I loved, was when the doctor is tending to his arm. The pilot says, sometimes in low atmosphere conditions, somebody might hallucinate a crazy thing happening. That's probably what happened, doctor. And the doctor says, well... Your arm is literally frozen. So whatever happened probably actually happened. And that is the complete reverse to how that scene normally happens. I thought yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, is this, is, is this, it's, well, I suppose what's interesting about the three movies is this movie was just a garbagey low budget TV movie of the week, but so much, like, 
the writing was just better. Um, is this just? Is I don't, this, is this That's an extremely low bar. That's like a subterranean bar. To I don't pass. want to say the writing was better. No, no, but the writing is better. Like it, 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 it doesn't have to make perfect sense, and it doesn't. But the writing is still better, and it's still it's like it's better writing, even if it doesn't always make sense. Um, is this just old man sort of? Oh, they don't make them like they used to. No, no, no. The other movies are extremely bad movies. Yes, that's true. That's true. No, no. But the, into the, to the argument that they don't make them like they used to. This film is a garbage meant for TV uh, horror movie, but it managed to strike a weird kind of gold where it's so bad and has William Shatner in it and so memorable for like being so off, like just off the wall and crazy. Like I'm sure in the 1970s. There was a wait. No, you mentioned them. The two other haunted airplane movies that are unwatchable from the same time period. So it's not an old man thing. It's just a the ones that survive. Yeah, like it's like it's it's a time difference thing. It's like this film has like faced the breach and is now we're still talking about it in a podcast in 2019. Yeah, you know, whereas the other films are were recent, so we let them in without thinking too much. And then when we let them in, we were like, "Ah, oh, god damn it!" Like these, I I think, um, you know, it's it's just it's just like uh, you only heard of this film in the first place, probably because of somebody mentioning it. Like it's it's not a, it's like you don't hear about all of the sturdy log cabins that aren't around anymore because they collapsed. So we only talk about how log cabins are so sturdy. Where I heard about this movie was. Reading William Shatner's autobiography. There's a perfectly ordinary sentence. Oh, nice. And he was describing this movie. And this was, I read it pre, sort of in a pre-streaming YouTube age when you couldn't get your hands on this stuff. And I remember reading about it going, that sounds fucking bonkers. And I want to watch that. Because he was describing (laughs) the flaming torch through an airplane cabin that was been turned into moss. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, none of that makes sense. None of this movie makes sense. And I mean, that's the wonderful thing about YouTube is that and you, you see this thing on YouTube. It's got three million views. So it, it has a following, clearly. People want to watch this thing. Yeah, well, yeah. it's got William Shatner. Yeah. People love William Shatner. Can we talk about William Shatner's arc? Because I love his... I not, not love, but, like, I think his arc is... A very familiar arc, but done in a way that I actually prefer. Didn't we mention William Shatner was like a failed priest? Yeah, but that's not his arc. That's the start. The arc is he's a priest who get he explains this in the movie. He gave up being a priest and went to the much more profitable uh, career of being an alcoholic because he um, had just didn't see any evidence of anything supernatural. It's not specifically God. He's looking for any evidence. That we don't just live in, in a material, a fully yeah, material kind of world. Like any kind of... but And this is why I like it more than the usual way that Ark goes. Is it's not... He's, he's not specifically looking for evidence of God. He's looking for evidence of anything spooky. And at the end... he Like we talk about the, the, the flaming torch nonsense at the end. It's kind of like implied that he does it to save the lady, but not really. I think he just does it like it's more implied to me that he's just going down to look because his lover or girlfriend is like, don't. And he's like, I have to see. 
And I think it's that he just wants to see the supernatural spooky thing. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a, there's a fatalist kind of a quality to his character. It's, he kind of doesn't yeah. give a shit. He's, he's anti-hero kind of stuff going on. Well, the interesting thing is that he, he does regain his faith there because we get that brief flash of him back in his priest garb. Yes. Before he gets oh, back yeah. into his everyday garb. And this is the thing, is I think that was supposed to indicate, I forgot about that brief flash, that yeah, he's now a guy who believes in spooky things again, because he's in an airplane covered in moss about to go look at an ancient wind god. And the ancient wind god just looks like a dude in robes, so it's like kind of shit. But like his face reaction is like, oh no, I have beheld the face of the unknown. And then he gets blown out the window. The black doctor guy kind of says that like, oh... He's kind of, maybe he was looking for, like, if he sees a devil, maybe if he sees a devil, that also proves there must be a god. But I do think it was more subtle than that. I think he was just looking for evidence of anything supernatural. And that's why he walked down to the back of the airplane. So, yeah, do we need to say anything more about this movie? It was great. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> it's also shit. Um, <laughs> it just had the, I guess... The only ending that was satisfying for any character in any of these three movies. Yeah. Um, do we want to do our final thought? I think I just did mine. Okay. Okay. I want to go through the ratings because I think there's confusion about them. Watch with friends means the film was kind of shit, but you it's fun if you watch it with friends. Garbage, like our poo, or just there's just the version where it's like nobody needs to watch this nobody needs to watch this and there's the other one where it's okay and that means it's okay to watch by yourself you can get fun out of it by yourself or you can watch it with friends and have even more fun so my ratings would be William Shatner one watch with friends I don't think it's fun enough to watch by yourself but watch with friends and the other two no need to watch that's my ratings okay um, I would say uh, you see, I, 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 I don't know why I'm giving the Asylum one maybe more credit than it deserves, but... Oh, yikes. I think the Asylum one could be perfectly serviceable as a watch with friends. Um, and the standout one here is the William Shatner one, um, because it's at least interesting and memorable, and we've gotten into that. And I like the way it looks, and, I, and I've always made this point, I like films from that period because the period detail is real and the people look like they're actually from that period. And um, it has its own charm for that reason. And, uh, and I also like the fact that, you know, you're, you're looking at the silly, hokey things that the Airplane movie then went and made fun of. Um, so, yeah, Watch With Friends for me could nearly be the William Shatner one or the Asylum one. The... Um, the no need to watch is clearly flight 7500. Uh, yeah, so um, I think we have over described 7500 and 666 to spare you from watching. <laughs> and I think, even though we have described a lot in 3700 or the horror, um, I think there's still more in there, and I think there's more that uh, you can watch with friends and enjoy. These movies were all shit, don't watch any of them.